Welcome to the Weekly Hijack. Hello, everyone. Tonight, this is the finale of The Prisoner, the classic British TV show from 1967. This finale episode was called Fallout. And (laughs) (laughs) it is the most prisonery thing. I mean, we thought some other ones were weird. This one is. This one cranked the weird up to a whole new level. It is, you know. The episode's gone between realism and surrealism. Like, this is hardcore surrealism. Yes. Yes. And This Salvador Dali era like, level. The only thing I can compare this to is, like, the end of Evangelion. Yeah. I mean, it has some of that feel to it, actually. Yeah. I, I you're mean, not I, wrong. I made a joke about that when everyone started applauding at one point. It's like, congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, I, I, there was a lot... Huh. <laughs> there's a lot of very strange things, and there's at least, I think thematically, there's a couple of things we know, but how everything else fits together, I don't know. I don't know. This, yes, this this feels like they were, it's not Salvador Dali thing. It's not like clocks were melting no. or, or anything like that, but it certainly has that, like I said at some point, it, I feel like a six-year-old watching a, a grown-up's drama and having no yeah. concept of understanding what is going on, at least for a, a portion of it. But I guess we should try to do some sort of summary. Okay, so... Um, Were you going to say something? No, I'll do that summary first. Okay. Number two... Oh, sorry, number six. So, yes, this led off immediately after the end yeah. of the last episode, which is the first. We've never seen quite so much direct ties from one episode to another, but this one he's, begins immediately after that last one. He's led deeper into the bowels of the village. Underneath and, it. Yeah, and he gets to this trial, court, assembly, something... It's confusing because it doesn't really, there's no presentation like structure like it's a trial. There's this guy in a judge like outfit that's presiding over the ceremonies. And all these like, it's almost like Congress or something. And they're all in masks though. And they all have like names like education and anarchists and democracy. I don't know. Like, I mean, it gets super symbolic all very quickly. Yeah, they're all, yeah, all masks and white robes. And Uh, and then there's a thing with the giant number one on it with the eyeball that every once in a while people talk to. Not eyeball, but electronic eye. And number one, that feels pretty significant at this point. Um, And then he, number six is given this throne and he's just to watch, they have to transfer the power over to him, I guess. Almost hinting as if he's going to become the new man in charge. Yeah, it seems like, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, And then first they're going to show him two other revolutionaries. You know, the whole thing about the village is you beat down. Beat down revolutionaries. But apparently there's a couple. That that he's supposed to sentence. Yeah. Because Because he's the individual. He's the one who's, well. They kind of hint at it earlier and then they come circle back around to it. This idea that since he has survived this trial that he did with number two, they have proved to them that that he is the sole individual that is deserving of the title individual. But it's interesting too, but I'm not actually sure they mean it. Yeah. Right, well, let's get... Anyways, and the two individuals, this is where it gets symbolic, but helpfully they explain it to us. Yeah, where? Yeah, I was afraid for a while they weren't. One is a guy who represents youth that just rebels for no good reason, just because. Yeah. And there's a whole lot of um, um, knee bone connected to the... The bone the, song. The bone song. Well, you know what? Knee I really, You know what that was, my, makes me think of? There's a scene, there's an episode in Babylon 5 where, like, the terrorist is singing that song oh really and I, I wonder if it's not from this honestly at this point could be you know it's funny so they they brought him up and then later sent back the next person who we'll talk about in a second um but they brought him up and then sent him back down in this like 
tube thing that that rose up and down, the main, which made me think of Minority Report. Mm. I don't know if you remember how they put everyone in stasis and that thing. Okay. And it was kind of on a tower thing. I don't know. I don't know if there's any if it got any inspiration for from this. I, but I, that's what I, made me think of. I, I feel like I mean, having watched the prison now, that all sorts of things are. Riff and just it's just it's like Brit Blade Runner in some ways. Yeah, yeah. It just it, has become part of the DNA. It, it gets replicated elsewhere because it's in it's seeped into. I could having see, gone through the whole series now, I could see how this could seep into your bones if you're a filmmaker. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just, I mean, as chaotic as as indecipherable some of this episode is, you're just compelled to keep watching. I yeah. mean, it's, it's, it's fascinating. It's the type of confusing that doesn't feel like it's a completely random. It's the type that like feels like there's something here if I could just it's, decipher it. If you could just decipher it. Um, so anyways, the young guy represents the youth rebellion, gets sent back down. Because there's no controlling him. He's just and, wild and, and it's so running all over the place. And oh. there are ch- people chasing him. And somehow they can't contain him until he just stops. You know, and what's fascinating is that they, he's a re- revolutionary, but like then everyone copies him. But then he's also on the outside, which I think is kind of youth culture anyways. Like everyone's like, mm. I mean, I'm sure you could dig into this, whether they mean it or not. But I think there's a... I feel like one of those episodes that could be very applicable in multiple ways. Yeah. But it might not be what the original meaning is just because it's so abstract. Yeah, true. I mean, I remember having a, a time in my 20s where I was really annoyed with people in college who wanted to rebel against the system just for the sake of rebelling. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, what's the point of that? Yeah. And that's that's kind of what they seem to be talking about here. And the second person, they resurrect <laughs> dead number two from last episode. Which, to be fair, we never really... And he asks, how did you do it? How did you kill me? Quote, unquote, kill me. Yep. Uh, was it the poison? Because we never... Had, he just kind of toppled over at the end yep. of it. We, don't re- we didn't really know why. And we're still not really given an explanation for why or how they resuscitate him, except that they shave him and put him in a... I don't know. It, it, weird 60s electronic Sci-fi magic stuff. stuff. Yeah. And he represents kind of the, the old guard that decides finally that do. By the hand that feeds it. This is, wait, wait, I'm sick of this. Like, why are we still doing this thing? Yeah. I mean, interesting, we got history about number two, which we had never gotten before. Mm-hmm. The idea that he had been a very similar situation to our titular number six. Mm-hmm. And he was like, but I cave way too fast and I'm ashamed of that. And yep. I became one of you people. I think the resurrection is even somewhat symbolic in the sense like he's... He's reset, maybe? Or not only that, well, I think that, but I, and maybe this doesn't work. You know, sort of like, it's these people who, they live past what the culture wants them to do, and they keep trying to do stuff different. And everyone's like, no, we wanted you right here. Oh, that's you an know. interesting idea. You know, some, that time that happens, like, wait, why are you now rebelling against all that stuff that we that, that we loved about you? Yeah. Why are you changing? And why are you changing? Why aren't you the same thing? Yeah, okay. I don't know. That's a, a, a valid reading. I, I want to say, it is also very... As um, much as anything. Very disorienting, because there's a lot, like, both visually and auditorily just a lot of like laughter and salt. I mean, it just is like this assault on your senses half this episode. Yes. It's not paced like anything I've ever seen before, <laughs> except for maybe something on the prisoner. Yes, exactly. Anyways. And then they send the hymn back and then they're like, okay, number. <laughs> and which I think he gives the last be seeing you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then he tries to stare down the, um, oh, he's the tra- number, number one. Yeah. And he spits at number one. Man, that was a spooky scene. <laughs> yeah. That, that I never knew a guy staring at like a giant eyeball could be intimidating, but I mean, it was somehow. I can see, you can see why this is called classic. I mean, just, it just 
I mean, it definitely yeah. got across that feeling of the other, as in like this mm-hmm. this mysterious unknown other, like whatever this number one thing is. Yeah, it was freaky. And then we'll get to the other freaky number one thing after this. <laughs> um, and yeah. then number six or whatever he is now, they're like you're the purest, and they kind of, they kind of overblow it. Like you're the purest, you're the wonderful, and I'm starting to think like. Are they offering him the the world on a silver platter, sort of? Yeah. And he, number six, has had this strange expression the whole <laughs> yes, thing. Yes. Almost like this, his cockiness is taken over sort of thing. He's just watching all of these proceedings. I don't know what, what he's thinking. It's always like, oh, this is all a charade, or... I finally beat it, or... I finally beat the system. I don't know what he's thinking, to be honest. But then he goes to give a speech, which is fascinating, because he can't... He tries to talk, and they just all scream over, well... What do they say? I? I, because he I, he keeps starting his speech with I feel something rather than they they just start screaming I I and it's the block completely covering anything he's trying to say, which is yeah I think a good example of like are they really being serious about this? We recognize you as an individual thing because the whole message of like yelling over him yeah. with the word I is almost like a refutation is like no the collective will overpower the individual like, every time yeah what yeah exactly yeah yeah. Or, you know, that whole idea of, like, we're all you now. I mean, I, that's what I felt like. Like, mm. we will all do now exactly what you tell us. You are the new leader of this conformity. <laughs> the new conformity. The new conformity. I mean, yeah. there's lots of ways to run it, but it was also disconcerting and also powerful. I mean, there's mm-hmm. a lot of powerful moments. How It it reminds me kind of like when we watch some um, Doctor Strange Love. Oh, okay. And uh, only in this way. Is that, to me, the parts of that movie were better than the movie as a whole. Oh, and I since that. there's a lot of really fascinating scenes, but it's very hard to make it them all work in a rational manner. But I'm not mm. sure that I'm not sure they're trying to make it work in a rational manner. I think they're just having read some stuff with like Francis Schaefer about some of the stuff that happened. You know, I think they're trying to kind of disconnect the I think they're trying to say something, but it's disconnected from reality or, or, or from... at least or like it's almost like important things to say, but I'm not sure it holds together in a narrative whole. Mm. I could be right. I mean, who knows? I mean, yeah, the way we get to the end. I mean, so far, some of this, what we've talked about so far, I could see coming from like a, like this is one last mind game thing for yeah. him to overcome. Mm-hmm. But the way it goes later, it kind of spins out of control. So, we'll, okay, so we'll keep going, trying okay, to get so, through the synopsis. We'll, so they're like, we'll get okay. To you in a second, ladies. <laughs> you can go. So they're like, you want to meet number one now? He's like, yes. <laughs> like, of course. Please. And so then they, he goes down the same to the two other revolutionaries because he's another revolutionary. Yeah. But I, I can't. They go in a, he, he goes down a second one, technically. Th- okay. They're yeah. like right next to there's each pri- other. But. There's the one that are prisoners <laughs> and the one that technically isn't a prisoner. But again, what is not a prisoner at this point <laughs> yeah. in this, in this show? But yeah. he, goes, he goes the same place, the other revolutionary, you know, he's other podcasts. I talked about be a couple weeks ago now when this comes out, Pierre Gint, the play about the guy who he's fully himself and there's some danger in being mm. all I you yeah. know and I feel like like almost number six has done almost that in this episode like mm. I'm now fully myself but Is I'm that... separated from everything else that makes any sense mm. yeah anyway they, they, we'll, they go, 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 sorry, 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 sorry. you're yeah. getting ahead of yourself yeah 
so he goes and again deeper into this underground deeper area. into the yeah and there's the psyche of this thing he walks through this tunnel finds the two prisoners we saw before the one still singing the former number two now laughing maniacally and they're, they're in little tubes that like say orbit like they're gonna be shot into space <laughs> yeah that's true I, did, I was trying to figure that out orbit earlier and I was like oh, wait okay anyway um, and so then he goes up the I guess is the butler who directs him towards yeah be the butler's been the, the butler's been like his right hand man ever since he Number two died. Yeah, yeah. And the butler directs him toward this spiral staircase that goes up, and there's this room full of globes for some reason. <laughs> and then, By the world. and Yeah, and then there's this figure in another robe that's watching number six's monologue from the big, very first episode where he's I'll like, be- I will not be cataloged, numbered, quantified, any of these things. I am a free man kind of stuff. Um, and he goes, and there's... <gasps> Well, no, crazy too. And then, like, you see on the sh- thing that, like, he turns towards number six before number six gets to him. It's like, it's like ahead of time. Yeah. There was, yeah, that was, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of weird moments in this. Oh, for sure. The, the rogue guy hands him a crystal ball, I guess. To, like, look at himself, I guess. Because there's, like, I, I, I. And yeah, starts going, the, I, 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 I. He starts repeating his recording of saying, I, I, I. And then, inter- and then you see the, the big circle one, which yep. looks kind of like an eye. Yep. And, which, yeah. And they show, and he's wearing, is he wearing the same white and black mask? Yes. He's wearing that first, and number six takes that off and does this creepy monkey mask. Monkey mask. And then he whips that off, and it's, it looks like a, a crazed number six. Yeah, I think it was it? a crazed number six. And it follows a bizarre sequence of the, like they're <laughs> struggling and I don't know where that crazed number six like went up inside yeah higher up in the rocket or something and then it gets all hell breaks loose <laughs> if this has been weird enough yet guys <laughs> Tasha over there rubbing her face <laughs> so number six grabs a uh, fire uh, extinguisher teams up with the butler oh, which great the, the greatest scene is when the butler like uses his eyes to say they're over there like he's on his team like proactively yeah which is like the first thing I've ever seen him be proactive about yeah that was, was weird and they, they took out some of the the other robed figures that were in the room and they freed the crazed prisoner and the, the number two and I guess made them sane and they knocked out some of the other guards in the tunnel and they all got armed up with machine guns they stormed the, they go up on top and they stormed the area the huge battle goes out machine guns people fl- meanwhile meanwhile place. we should mention that uh, the Beatles all you need is love is playing <laughs> I mean it's like some other wacky things and some other stuff but at least in the killing that was a little later but I mean that when he's directly killing everyone, I think yeah. it's Oh, and number six apparently started fiddling with knobs and basically I thought he was gonna blow the whole place yeah. up, essentially. An evacuation order in the village certainly takes place and people start helicopters start flying all over the yeah. place. I mean, it is all sounds chaotic. It is. It is r- wickedly chaotic. Like this is like the ultimate like I, I thought, you know, they could just go super minimalist on us and like have this really quietly dramatic ending. Nope, they went full blown chaos climax all this over. This had the place. to be hard to do back in the, the TV era of that time, wouldn't it? I imagine I so. Okay, anyways, anyway, so numbers, the former's number two and six and forty eight, the prisoner guy and the butler. They get on the the. <laughs> What do you call it? The semi thing that where basically the living room set that had from the previous episode from the previous which they had said had like living quarters and 
accommodations like you could survive somewhere in it. And as they are driving out of the tunnel from the underground cave, essentially, there's a giant rocket that goes up from the middle of the village somehow. It's just done with cover, superimposing. You know what? I just, here's a thought. I'm like, what is up with this rocket? It made absolutely no sense, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Except I'm like, well, it's Napoleon in his lighthouse. Um, <laughs> I from, thought of that, from, too. No, but, you know, the revolutionaries are in it. It's like they were trying to... Get out? Get No, like they, no, they were just going to send them off the planet. Like, they, all revolutionaries need to be sent oh, yeah. away completely. Okay, so they were going to just launch them into space, essentially? Well, I, I mean, it's over, it's over the top, but, I mean... I mean, you remember, this is 67. We haven't actually, we're trying to get to the moon at this point. I mean, does that mean that the village is run by Gizmonic Institute? I guess so, yeah. <laughs> I guess a uh, reference yeah. for all you mystery science theaters wow. fans out there. Anyways, they get to London somehow. I was like, I thought they were on an island off the coast of Mor- Morocco well, yeah, or something. Yeah, I, I was like, how did they get to England all of a sudden? I mean, the floating. I don't know. It looked like they just drove out of the cave and suddenly they were on a highway. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, anyway. That was the part where I was. It started to lose me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? Just there, Tim. <laughs> and then they get to London, and all the number twos go everywhere. There's a weird scene with the butlers watching number six, and the number six is talking to a police officer. He's wait, making weird gestures, and then I, I don't know what that scene was. I, I, I wondered they, if the, if he was trying to give an explanation for why that weird semi was parked by the side of the road. Maybe, but I have no idea what he was talking and about. And I, I like I keep having this nagging feeling that like the butler's still number one watching over him, or I I I, I don't know what to do with the ending. Like yeah. all all the pieces early on, I can do something with. I don't know what I'm supposed to feel at the end. All the final pieces are very strange. We see the um, the crazy number 48 guy hitchhiking on the side of the road. Yep. The old number two, reform number two. Reform right. two, yeah. Who seems to go back into the, some sort of British, was that the House of Commons or the I, Yeah, Parliament? some sort of something like that, yeah. Some sort of, and then number six goes back to his apartment with the butler. The butler gets his house and the... Oh, but the door opens automatically, which is freaky, too. Yeah. Very much just like... It feels like the village. Well, I had read somewhere, I don't know if it was important or not, that if they had a season two, they might just people making stuff up. That it would be like, he's free, but now prisoner in his own mind, which is just, you know, he has the same house now as number two did. Yeah. Almost. And then number two... Yeah. And number six has his car back. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. So I, 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 do, I do feel it's worth noting on Wikipedia. It states the finale of the prisoner left open-ended questions, generating controversy and letters of outrage. Following the final episode, McGuhan claimed he had to go into hiding for a while. <laughs> well, B. McGuhan wrote the last two episodes. I mean, this was completely his ch- baby. Yeah. There's also an interesting info on Wikipedia about a possible alternative ending that's the script editor said before he quit partway through making the series, a possible explanation for the existence of the village that he had cooked up many years after the series had ended. So and yeah, that, that yeah. sounds more like a fan theory than anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you want to go for it, go for it. But of course, the way this ends, yes, there are all kinds of open-ended questions. Who was running the village? Why did number six resign? It doesn't answer any of that. I, I'm not even sure what to make of what happened at the ending. And, and I think, well, this show lasts for lots of reasons, but partly probably because you can read a lot onto the ending mm-hmm. because there's enough there to do that with, but I don't I don't think there is a definitive. Yeah. Well, I don't know of any definitive explanation. Maybe McGowan knows, but even I wouldn't be, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if even he left it sort of. Ambiguous. Yeah, part. I mean, yeah. See, it seems, this ending seems very in line with what I understand from the kind of that sort of. 60s 
We don't know, want to explain we, things. Yeah, like, like, it feels like Beatles music. <laughs> but, yeah. Well, we've been talking for a very long yeah. time. And I'm so, thank you for your patience. You can, of course, you can always interject anytime you want to, yeah. honey. Um, <laughs> but we got in a roll, and you just like listening, I could tell, I guess. Maybe. There were a few times I wanted to interject. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, well, <laughs> do you have any thoughts you want? Wasn't <laughs> she just said story of my life? <laughs> I'm sorry. We we got <laughs> anyway. For some of the things you would like to contribute. Yeah, this episode made absolutely no sense. <laughs> I concur about the open-ended questions and the abstractness. I sort of felt like this is a film version of what is avant-garde. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, well, the word avant-garde felt really appropriate to this because it mm-hmm. wasn't following. Well, it wasn't trying, doesn't, didn't seem to be trying to give the audience a followable plot structure. <laughs> Not that there wasn't plot happening, but it wasn't clear enough for me, a lay person, to understand what was going on. And I suppose I could say, too, that given that most of the show had been at least linear within a given episode... It was very, very mildly frustrating to come to the end and then it suddenly is really abstract. Mm-hmm. It, it, it fit with the second to last episode, but it was that part of it was a, a little unsatisfying. Mm-hmm. What was satisfying was that he did, in fact, get out. As far as we know. As far as we know. <laughs> uh, Good job, Tim. <laughs> sorry, I ruined it. <laughs> Unfortunately, I think landing leaves you with that question to a certain extent. I'd rather just think that he got out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I concur. I do think the lack of narrative structure is an intentional choice. It feels very 60s, mm-hmm. like, like you said, similar to music stuff, but also what I've talked about in terms of what was going on in Hollywood yeah, at the time. Yeah. If you listen to our podcast, let's finally watch this. We talk about some of that, the, the uh, new Hollywood era. And this was in Britain, but obviously some of the same ideas of leaving the audience hanging and ambiguous endings and that kind of thing is very much in play here. Any scenes that you kind of, something you latched onto in there, Natasha? Well, I don't know how much you talked about the end because I had to leave the room. But it's very interesting to me that they drove out and then we're just, I mean, I don't know how much time passed, but seemed to be within driving distance of London, <laughs> Yeah, at least. It's very strange. It didn't match anything we'd been shown previously. But, of course, the whole rest of the show, they were messing with his mind. So we don't quite know what was real and what wasn't. Yeah, watching this episode felt like I had taken some sort of drug. <laughs> and it just was trippy. The music did not seem to fit at all. It's just absurd. It did seem like those who revolted, like the young man, were playing into the chaos. Like they weren't actually as crazy as they seemed. Mm. Especially since they were able to take up weapons and escape and they seemed completely sane at the end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that they each rebelled in their own way, I guess. Yeah, I was very curious if they were being drugged in some... Like, when they were both locked in those chambers, and the number two was just laughing uncontrollably, it seemed. And then as soon as they got out, they were, like, themselves again. 
Although the, the number 48 guy or whatever he was, he didn't completely see him saying the way he was running all over the place. And Yeah, they showed real briefly a scene. I, I can't remember. I just remember seeing them in those tubes. And just for a second, it looked like they were kind of looking around with their eyes, like assessing the situation mm. is what it felt like to me. But who knows? It could be. Yeah, I was not at all satisfied, except for the end. It did feel like they escaped, but then again, it felt like, what's the title of that movie? The top that spins at the end. Oh, Inception. Oh. Inception. Yes, it felt a little like Inception. Like, did they, did the top actually stop spinning? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, that's a good analogy. <laughs> Or comparison. So I'm just gonna choose to believe that they got out, <laughs> they escaped the nightmare. Like yeah. those people in the, I mean, they just the judge, for instance, and all the people in the white robes, they seemed insane. Mm-hmm. It was like an Alice in Wonderland uh, '60s version. I mean, like like a, like a political commentary, Alice in Wonderland. Kind of, given all their titles. The t- Yeah, I mean, just like the, the mock, and not even trial, but just the mock, you know, everything's just like... Ceremony. Ceremony, but yeah. ridiculous and absurd. and. You know, you've seen different types of episodes on The Prisoner, some being more on the surreal side and some feeling more grounded, like almost espionage and having a kind of a cat and mouse stakes. Yeah. They all play with some similar themes about conformity and, and all that kind of stuff, yeah. but... I imagine if you listen, if you listen through our discussions through the show on Hijack, I think we probably tend to enjoy most the less surreal stuff, the ones that do kind of feel like they have a more narrative through line. Mm-hmm. The ones we like probably the least were the one where the lady number two is dressed as Peter Pan. Yeah, and, and the, the pol- political one, the political, which one. is probably honestly probably one the one more in line with this. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, I just. It goes to show that there's something, I mean, like this sort of thing, this will be memorable. We'll probably remember this episode for a while. Yeah, yeah. But yes, as far as satisfying, yeah, I think we still really prefer the narrative structure. And I I guess that's the really fascinating thing about this show for being 17 episodes. It does have such a wide variety. These surreal ones are not satisfying, but I'm always, and this might just be me, I'm just always very fascinated by this sort of like, half surreal half you know Evangelion gets that way and I always mm-hmm. find that kind of fascinating waiting for Godot I've, I've, I've read that back in high school and found that kind of interesting who were you comparing there was another thing you were oh, comparing yeah. this to Tom during. Stoppard Rosencrantz and Guildenstern okay. are dead not read that one but wanted to it's also kind of abstract and some parts of the play feel like feel like word plays mm-hmm. mm. and, and so like it's hard to, I don't know, it's hard to know if there was a more satisfying ending, whether it would still be as well known as it does with this ending. It's possible, although... Or I, do or do this, but like, you could have explained a little more. Like, I don't yeah. mind, like, last episode worked pretty, it was weird, but worked pretty well. You just need something... Something that tied out, up Tied up. Yeah, like, that, uh, like yeah. I, I, I was, I would be more on board with this episode as a whole if there was a little bit more of the narrative structure at the very end. Yeah, because like well, it was chaotic in the middle, but then they kind of explained the revolutionaries. I'm like, okay, I can deal with you. You gave me the key to understand the chaos. Yes. But the ending doesn't have a key. Right. It just feels, it feels like something's left dangling. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the part that's like, that, yeah. like even, I don't care, I don't need all, the, everything explained. I mean, we're fans of Lost. Yeah. Like, I, leaving some things ambiguous, I think, are fine, but having 
some sort of grounding. Like the fact that it just went so seamlessly from them driving out of the cave yeah. to suddenly there in England. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I shouldn't even bring up here because it'll be too complicated. But the Fred Schaefer has this idea of like the two layers of thought. I don't like. I think it has started with history. Like they want to get from like ra- they want to get, circumvent the rational connections of things mm. and just kind of do this sort of like jump. And it, it ruined a lot of how things work. But I feel like this is an example of that sort of push. I wish I had the terminology being once I've read the book. To kind of separate kind of what they call the upper story thinking, lower story thinking, kind of like the details and the meaning mm-hmm. that they kind of have separated them. And so it leaves you, on one hand, you can read a lot into it, but on the other hand, it's very unsatisfying because there is no logical connection. And sure. I think we would really like it, not just as storytellers, but I think as Christians, we want to be able to be like, okay, how does this, what is it? actually saying yeah yeah and it could be because this is one of those things where they're playing with ideas but they don't necessarily have answers for them yeah i think that's part of it yeah like what is the proper balance between the needs of the collective and the needs of an individual yeah because was he right to i mean we think he was generally right not to conform but was he right to be as insistent about about him about i-ness yeah about meanness because i mean we've seen that individuality go wild in the last 50, 60 years yeah. in a different way. You know, not like they were didn't know, but, but I think like, the, same, the ex- same themes are still playing out. Yeah. Acknowledge who, what my feelings say about myself. Like, don't look at physical reality to, to figure out who I am. You must yeah. assent to what I say I am. I would not be index numbered. Yeah. So it's interesting because on one hand, it's very like, yes, rebel. On the other hand, you're like, but... There are things we should conform to, at least yeah. from our point of view. So, from a Christian point of view. So, yeah. so it, it's a, it's, it certainly plays with these themes in very the show as a whole in fascinating ways, and your mileage may vary. I'm, I'm starting to wrap up towards the whole series. Sure. Here. Oh yeah, that's fine. Um, and I think as long as you don't mind some experimental stuff. Like you just want everything straight, don't watch a prisoner. I don't know why you're listening to this. Um, but if you don't mind some experimentation, some really some really powerful filming. Yeah. No, I'm very glad I watched the series. Oh, yeah, I've yes. Some pieces are not the way I would do it. I would certainly recommend to anyone who enjoys a certain amount of experimentation or uh just you know the sort of people would like prisoners, the people who wouldn't. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. (laughs) It's true. Well, yeah, I think that's about all I have to say about that. All right, yeah, that's, I mean, yeah, Wait, this we can talk for more, but. Well, this has gone plenty long already, but um, yeah, I don't really know uh, at this point when The Weekly Hijack will be back. This is a show we've talked about doing for it for quite a while. I know you probably won't see any more Hijack this year unless, I know there's like some Babylon 5 projects that might be, We might We might have a one-off, yeah. We might have a one-off Babylon 5 related thing at some point. But as far as a full season of a show, mm, it'll be a no. It'll be a while. We're not sure. Um, but you can be looking forward to a new season of Let's Finally Watch This, our podcast for casual movie fans who have always meant to watch classic movies. And we'll be going through the threes, the threes, the yes, two, 1903, 1913, et cetera, et cetera. movies. Yep. yep. So all the movies have had an anniversary this year. Well, not all the movies. But <laughs> wow, Tim, <laughs> I didn't sign up for that. <laughs> Uh, a, n- a number of them. Um, so that will be, I think my aim is for that season to begin in early September, Sounds which good. should just be a few months after this episode comes out. So be on the lookout for that. Be sure to subscribe to it on your podcatcher of choice. 
And of course, you could also find all our podcasts at yourolddreadsofthought.com. Please leave us a comment. Let us know if you watched The Prisoner, if you enjoyed it along with us, if you were weirded out by it. If all the above. <laughs> all the above, exactly. Anything else, Nick? I think that's it. Anything else, ladies? Mm-mm. Nope. Okay. Well, thank you folks for listening. Until next time, this is Tim. This is Nick. And Janelle. And Natasha. We'll be seeing you.